Homestyle Green episode 167, Pre-Purchase Property Inspections with Sarah Simon. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. My name is Matthew Cutler-Welsh, I'm the host of the show and this is brought to you by Proclimber. Now this week I'm delving into the world of property pre-purchase inspections. And to help me out is Sarah Simon. Now, Sarah started uh, RealShore with her partner back in 2000. And I started out by asking Sarah to tell us a little bit about what RealShore is. Well, RealShore is a building surveying company. And um, we specialize in doing visual non-invasive surveys. So they're more commonly known as your pre-purchase report or your maintenance inspection. Sometimes they might be provided for pre-sale. Um, and what we specialize in is actually going through a home and identifying any significant or significant or urgent issues with the home, um, urgent maintenance, and documenting them into a report so that the reader of the report can actually firstly understand what the issue is, can then understand the severity of it or prioritise it, and we give them the next step. Right. And that's actually what's required under the New Zealand standard for property inspections and then further enhanced by a High Court determination in um, Hepburn versus Cunningham High Court case some years back. Right. That, that all sounds a bit serious. Before 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 we get into that, um, let's just go. Yes. So we've got significant and urgent uh, issues that might need to be addressed fairly mm -hmm. quickly. Um, but like I say, the, the primary driver for a lot of people would be pre-purchase inspections. So they're looking, they're kind of looking for, should I buy this house or not, right? Absolutely. So people have determined that it's a house that they would like to proceed with, yep. but they want to understand actually what it, what is it they're buying? Is it as good as it looks or um, is that issue they're seeing as bad as it might be? Or mm -hmm. really just getting their head around, is the house okay? And then if there are issues, being comfortable that they're matters that they can actually take on. Yep. Um, or have an opportunity to talk to some specialists and maybe get some idea around costings to remediate it before they make that buying decision. Yeah. Hmm. So so tell us about the the serious implications. You mentioned a, a court case, which I guess has put a, a stake in the ground to say um, some precedence of, of what what can go wrong when buying a house. What are the potential implications from a legal point of view? Um, in terms of buying a house with issues or yeah. the actual report itself? Well, both. And and, yeah. and maybe give us a background to the to those yeah. legal precedents. Probably the easy, easier way is to actually give an explanation of the inspection industry. And, and what most people actually don't understand is the house inspection industry is unregulated. So anybody can set up as a house inspector and they can claim standard compliance, they can claim they're the best in the area or, you know, they can state they've got professional indemnity and often it can be found that's not the case at all. And perhaps not always a deliberate action because um, we often find when sort of going into conversation with some of these people, they 
think they're doing work to the inspection standard, but in fact have never seen an inspection standard. So they're right. just not familiar with what it is they're supposed to be doing. But what that means is that a large proportion of the operators in the New Zealand marketplace actually are not doing as good a job as should perhaps be expected. Yeah. Um, and so the, and it's one of the reasons why the accreditation program through the Building Officials Institute of New Zealand was actually set up and launched um, back in 2006 and 2007 um, because Consumer Magazine had identified through a series of three different investigations over a number of years that the house inspection industry was in a bad state of repair. Yep. And then in 2006, um, it was then the Department of Building and Housing did a paper and realised actually it is an issue. They didn't want to regulate the industry, but they did say that if the industry self-regulated, they'd support it. And so um, that's where um, one of our co-founders actually asked to chair a special interest group and went to the industry and Boyne's Building Officials Institute New Zealand said, look, we'll administer it because they have about 12 to 1,500 um, council inspectors and other members. Mm -hmm. So training academy so it made them um you know quite a natural um not-for-profit organization a separate entity with a training academy to sort of take it on it's been a really slow thing to take you know to get off the ground and get and um get wings if you like and take mm -hmm. off in part because there's not really terribly many drivers consumers as a whole still don't get that house inspectors they're um, using may actually not be accredited or registered in fact may not be providing the level of service they think they're commissioning yeah and unfortunately the only way you know for sure right now is if you use an accredited building surveyor or a registered building surveyor um, accredited building surveyors are the only ones that have actually had to go through a process to demonstrate competency knowledge and compliance with the inspection standard in their reporting so um, and that you know they have professional indemnity etc and it gives the consumer some um, also a body to go to should they for whatever reason fall short of what could be expected but that's really the only body that um, has an independent assessment process um, registered building surveyors, they though specialise generally in weather tightness. They do have training programmes as well, so they're generally another recognised body. Right. But most yes, of them yeah, so, so we're talking about two different things there. We, we've got the building surveyors where they're specialists in all types of building, but mostly looking at weather tightness. Yes. Or enclosure issues. And, but then there's the standard that we're talking about in the residential space, which is specifically for looking at uh pre-purchase type inspections for the residential property so there's a, a training process for both right well it's a, they, they do do a three-day training program to give them the 101 but yeah accredited building surveyors are specifically accredited to the new zealand standards for property inspections so it's yeah. the accredited building surveyor that actually is specific to pre-purchase yeah so um, yeah. there seems that there's a big disparity then between the regulation in the real estate industry of agents because i understand that they're quite 
uh, tight now in terms of what they are and what they're not allowed to say about a property Hmm. versus your industry where there's a standard but there's no real regulation. Hmm. Yeah. Um, You did right. Um, And so the two, when the two get together, um, how to to qualify, there are agents that, look, there are some real estate agents that, I mean, if you're going to merge the two, there are real estate agents that, um, you know, a good quality agent knows the value and importance of a buyer or a seller being Mm -hmm. formed and having, you know, reliable and um, factual information. But there are some resistant to that. And that's where you seem to see an alliance at times between those that are resistant using those house inspectors that provide good reports. Invariably, they're not accredited or registered. And that's actually where we're seeing now quite a a real problem arising. Um, The market shifting now that, well, it's going through another shift again. It's um, really quietened down, volumes are right down, and um, they're suggesting in areas that it's now sort of a very even buy-seller type market. But um, what's now often happening is you'll see pre-sale reports being supplied with, as part of a package with the house being sold. A pre-sale report will generally only be um, valid for the homeowner, although there was a court case this year where they did successfully um, sue the house inspector providing a pre-sale report because um, of its you know, not being suitable um, for its purpose. But effectively, what, with the pre-sale reports, many of them we're seeing, in fact, very seldom do you see them being done by accredited or registered building surveyors. How and do people so, know? How, how can you tell? Exactly. Well, if you go to the building officials website or the New Zealand Institute of Building Surveyors website, they list all their members. Right. And really that's what you need to do to go and make sure you're dealing with the party you think you're dealing with. Because unfortunately, claims in reports or even on websites aren't necessarily, and they're not a... Um, guaranteeing you're getting what you think you might mm. be getting and so and there no, just, there's no there's no logo or identification on a on a report to say this has been done by an accredited uh a surveyor um well no logos you generally logos aren't used in reporting as such so um you're looking at They'll have a membership, so Boynes will be AM Boynes, which will be um, accredited member of Boynes. Right. And, and New Zealand Institute of Building Surveyors, I think, are generally NZIBS. Yep. So you'd be looking for the letters after the after the surveyor's name. Right. Um, but again, you could double check it against that website. Um, and so the best place the best place to go is for people to actually go and look. At, is this person? listed on one of those directories yeah yeah because if you go to the REAA's yeah if you go to the REAA's um, guideline for buying they will direct you to Boyne's Accredited Building Surveyors or the New Zealand Institute of Building Surveyors right which is an important thing to note because I imagine I've been in a situation looking for a a house uh, 
that usually the real the agent who's there showing the house will be more than happy to recommend someone to do a uh, inspection for yeah for me as the buyer but they're always acting on behalf of the seller aren't they they are and the difficulty is there seems to be a real gap in the training of the real estate industry around the inspection standard and what a standard compliance survey looks like so um, if you look at the Hepburn case, um, the Hepburns actually, um, while Realshore had already provided several reports for previous purchases and identified weather tightness risk, etc., um, they were directed to another house inspector who claimed standard compliance. And it turned out that it wasn't at all. And so they ended up thinking they'd done all the right things and buying a home that had, um, I think from memory, around around $360,000 repair bill. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, and, and that's the sort of thing we would love to see stopped. So not only is the agent, you know, correctly so, working for their client who's the seller, um, it's whether they're actually imparting the right information and, um, you know, if you approach, if you go to the REAA's guidelines, they're saying accredited or registered building surveyor, yet that's often not the case. And, you know, while there's no driver for the industry um, to have operators become accredited or registered, um, it continues along the path it does, and there continues to be um, quite a few settlements done after a property has changed ownership, mm, mm. which is a real concern. Hey, just want to take a short break to thank a few people who helped make this show possible. Firstly, the team at ProClimber, who sell wraps and tapes to make your buildings perform better, but they also provide fantastic education and customer service. If you've got any queries about air tightness or how to make a really high performance home for your family or your clients, then get in touch. 1800 Pro Climber in Australia or in New Zealand 0800 Pro Climber. I also want to thank the team at The Heating Company, that's theheatingcompany.co.nz or 0800 Heating for all your floor heating, ceiling heating, panel heaters, heater towel rails, even outdoor heating. Yeah, that exists. Uh, pretty handy too out on the deck, outdoor heating. Uh, check them also for the Lunos ventilation system, which I've had on the show before, uh, talking about a great solution for decentralized retrofitting, uh, which is true heat recovery as well in those little uh, Lunos ventilation systems. So check them out, theheatingcompany.co.nz. All right, now let's get back on with the show. You mentioned at the start that your assessments are, are non-evasive. Uh, non-invasive and uh, non-destructive is it feasible and should we expect that a building inspector would be able to identify issues like that case where there's hundreds of thousands of dollars potential is that identifiable by someone who's trained to to spot issues of that significance without drilling any holes or or taking any samples or doing any any destruction Simple answer is yes, because, right. <laughs> and that's the difference between a house inspector and a building surveyor. Right. Um, when you look at it, um, I mean, it's pretty public information that the construction industry has got issues and that we're still building leaky buildings. Mm -hmm. 
when you consider that some of those operators are then moving across into the house inspection industry without training and building surveying or actually taking on standard compliant reporting software, then right. you know, one can't expect the person building those types of properties to actually know the issues or to identify the issues potentially. Ah, I see. So we've got a uh, broken down old builder who's been building houses the same way for all his career decides, right, I'm going to start being a building inspector now and just put hangs the sign up and starts doing doing inspections yep yeah that can occur having said that if you actually got a craftsman builder you know someone that had been trained sort of in the 70s and yeah. 80s potentially um you know there's some really damn good builders out there but building a house and surveying a house are two separate skill sets yeah. and so what we often see is you know even sometimes um, risks or uh, defects are identified in a report, but they're just identified as um, there are dents in the roof. Um, we'll survey the house and it might read, there are dents in the roof, it has caused splits, this can cause leaking and these sheets will need to be replaced. Right. So what can sometimes happen is they might identify just the basis of it, but the reader of the report does not understand the ramifications of what's been identified to them. Yes, right, which but is important if someone's never, you know, what's got the crack here or dent there, what does that mean? What is that going to cost me anything? Yeah, and that's what Justice Williams came up with. You know, he said it's not sufficient just to identify the issue. You have to give the next step because you have to make it clear to the reader of the report the ramification of the issue. And you have to do it in a way that the layman can understand. He even goes on to say something along the lines of you can't couch it in a way so as to dumb it down or um, oh, sort of make it unclear to maintain your relationship with the real estate agent. So um, that was quite an interesting line. I, but um, the, with the, if we go back to the Hepburn case, I mean, identifying weather tightness risk, he states you must identify weather tightness risk regardless of evidence of moisture. And so, you know, the, it's well documented what the risk junctions and details are. And so if they're seen, they need to be going into the report. So, when you look back at the um, the case we mentioned, I think you know from memory there was something like three leaks identified, but a the um, a full weather tightness survey was the ultimate recommendation based on the risks found and also evidence of some areas of leaking. So when you consider that that was the recommendation and the outcome of that was, you know, a full reclad and substantial replacement of the framing, um, you know, it's quite interesting. I think the um, when they did the investigation, up to five areas were found to be failing, but it's when you remove the cladding that you really start to see um, where the framings be compromised. Mm. And that, that's where, you know, the use of some of these tools to say if the home is leaking or not is really dangerous because they're missing identifying the risks. And research of a 1,000 homes indicated the moisture meter is probably picking up only about 40% of moisture. Um, we do work with thermal imaging um, cameras in some areas as a specialist tool. And we, you know, they pick up, 
they don't pick up all the moisture and moisture meter can pick up. Um, and then there's other tools that are used, um, such as camera scopes and walls and things, but they miss the fact that the damage to the framing will often start at the outside edge and the bottom outside edge. So looking inside wall cavities actually isn't necessarily going to tell you much. And in fact, if you right. do find evidence by then, it's probably potentially quite advanced. Right. So right. What, yeah, what becomes really critical is, is the surveyor knowing what the risks are, explaining them to the client, because then they get to understand what are the risks and they can determine if they're willing to take that on or not. Yeah. You mentioned a full weather tightness survey. Is that mm. that's a separate thing? Yeah. That, that might be an outcome. So sometimes under the standard, depending on like we have to, if we identify an issue, we then have to give the next step. So it might be we'd suggest they get in a registered plumber um, to investigate evident leaking around the shower, or they might need to get in a repiler or an engineer based on evidence of issues found in the foundations. You know, they might have undercut the piles and or um, under, undermined them or something like that yeah. and if they find sufficient weather tightness risk and that's not just plaster clad homes by the way, it can also be weatherboard, it can be a raft of cladding types, um, if they find sufficient weather tightness risk um, particularly if they did find evidence of moisture indicated um, they, their recommendation then might be actually you know what you need a full weather tightness survey and that's because it's known that um, those that extent of risks, given plus perhaps its exposed location and its high risk by design, there is high probability that there may be failure. And yeah. so the next step would be invasive testing and, and using a weather tightness specialist because they, you know, they're the ones that then go in, they pull it apart, they so they're really good knowledge and experience that how the building will likely perform and, and can then take it on for, you know, um, costing for remediation, et cetera. Can that ever be done uh, pre-purchase? It can, but generally um, it's generally not unless the owner's willing to take it on. Yeah. Um, because it's quite an expense to to then get in that specialist. You know, those reports can be anything from three to 15,000. Plus you could um, end up with patches on your house, aren't you? Because you have to take some sections yes. off. And yeah, yeah. It really depends on what we find as to what their recommendations might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, sometimes. I mean, the thing is, it's our reporting is based purely on fact. We don't go into opinion. I mean, I train our industry in um, the inspection standard and report writing. I do that for Boynes. I'm one of their facilitators. And, um, you know, one of the key things for training, because it's what the standard states, it's the fact-finding exercise. And the only place they want your opinion is when you have to give the overall condition in the summary, comparing it with homes of similar age and construction, and shower pressure. Right. The rest of it is purely fact-finding. Yeah, right. You know, and that can often be a clue. You know, people are saying this report's got lots of photos, there's lots of pages, it's got a one-page standard certificate, how do I know it's not any good? 
Well, firstly, the standard certificate is a two-page copyright document. Uh -huh. And secondly, when you sometimes see these reports and they go on about how things are in good condition and average condition and, um, it's, you know, you, um, what else do you sometimes see? Um, you know, renovated to the highest standard. The purpose of the standard is to look for problems, not to sell the property and not to give an opinion. So average condition or, or things like that, unless it's in the overall summing up, it's indicating it's probably not a standard compliance survey because the standard requires you identify what the defect is. So rather mm. than average condition, you'd expect to see there is some rust damage to the roof or right. there is rock damage to the weatherboard. So rather than say it's average condition, they are required to identify what they're actually finding, not their opinion on the condition of something. Because your opinion on what's average, and yeah. my opinion on average, what's average, and a builder's opinion and a layman's opinion could all be very, very different. And there should also be uh, a brief explanation of any action that's required for any of those defects? And the next step, yes. So it's not about fixing it because it's not a scope of works, but it does give the next step. So right. there is some rot damage to weatherboards. It might be that they'll state, look, you know, these can be cut out and replaced, um, right. you know, with treated timber. Or it yeah. might be that um, there is rust damage to the roofing iron. This can be, you know, the sheet can yeah. be replaced. Yeah. So there might be some simple things there. But if there's areas like, um, for example, um, they, uh, what might be a good one, um, they get high levels of moisture indicated around the corner of showers. Now, this is a really common one. Showers are a very common area of internal moisture issues. Um, so they might be identified, the moisture meter might be indicating high moisture levels around the corner of the shower on the wall. The skirting mm -hmm. might be slightly swollen, and they may even get higher moisture levels indicated on the wall behind that. Mm -hmm. um, so the next recommendation would be to further investigate that because, um, and they'll just tell them to further investigate to determine the source of, you know, moisture and what's occurring. Now, obviously, to do that, there's going to have to be some invasive work done. Mm. So it's not a straightforward how to repair it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it really does depend on on what's what the issue is that's identified. There might be a simple, and it can be sealed or whatever, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. So ultimately, it's it's going to be part of the, all the information that people gather, and they're not going. It's not going to say yes, you should buy this house, and no, you shouldn't. But it's going to give you a a feel, and then a, a if you do decide to go ahead, then it's going to give you an action plan of a priorities to do when you become the owner. Yep, you got it in one. Yeah, a, a building report should never tell you whether to buy or sell because we would never presume to know that person's how deep their pockets are, yeah. what their skill set is, what they have access to, what they're willing to take on or not. Yeah. So it's to give them the facts so they can decide and then dead right, they can then use it because we actually colour code our reports. So it helps them to prioritise and they can actually um, the summary will list any significant or urgent issues. So that's their high priority. Yep. I mean, generally, anything in the summary is what we're recommending they investigate further before making the buying decision. Yep. But that is high priority stuff. It's potential that either might cost tens of thousands to repair or require urgent repair. But then in the body of the report, there'll be other things the standards say we have to look at. So for example, we have to look at, when we're looking at walls and ceilings, we have to look for sheet joint cracking, nails popping, etc. 
So we will document that and the surveyor will go through a process of determining, um, a process of elimination for determining is it actually evident of moisture ingress or settlement, um, you know, earthquake damage, through to no other, no other evidence of an issue other than, look, um, tape and plaster when next redecorating. Mm, so mm. we put that in the report and colour coded out depending on what the finding might be yeah. um, so that they know, like for sheet joint cracking, that's because it probably was never taped and plastered, um, they, that's really low grade. They can deal with that when they next redecorate through to their sheet joint cracking. There's a leak in the roof above. There's high moisture on the ceiling. There's also popping nails. Um, you know, and that's an indication of a, of a leak. That whole thing will need to be further investigated and that would be you know, a high priority. Yeah, yeah. So obviously moisture ingress, whether it's from the outside or if it's accumulation of moisture on the inside, big issue, weather tightness, leaky buildings, all the rest of it. So that would be top of mind. Um, how big of an issue really are things like pee and contamination? Well, we offer that service purely through consumer demand. Yep. Uh, and so we truly are randomly doing testing um we're not being sort of called in because there's suspicion we're just yep. asked to, to test because they're changing hands um very seldom have we ever got a positive result right. um so i mean my experience i mean i'm 17 years in this industry over 20,000 surveys um and, and plus other research, national research survey work, um, I would suggest, in my personal opinion, um, leaking damp or mouldy homes are a far greater risk and issue than uh, a meth-contaminated home would be. Yeah. Uh, well, a greater chance of that occurring. Yes. Of the, yeah. you know, and and this is the thing I think you know that I. Um, I think sometimes people miss um, the, I mean, when we go into survey a home, it's highly unlikely that the house will be marketed as an active P-Lab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think that. No, it's bit, highly unlikely. Uh, sale feature. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, testing, um, you know, will, will, um, hopefully uncover if, if there had been a P-Lab there and it's been highly contaminated and things like that. But from, from my knowledge, and, you know, we were talking prior to this about, you know, what the health um, industry are coming out and saying about nice. the cost on health for conditioner homes. My, my, my you know, out the condition of our homes and the Browns Home Condition Survey confirms this as well. It's not, they're not as good as it should be. Yeah. And, you know, and this is the frustrating thing that the standard for property inspections, if used correctly, is a brilliant tool for identifying the condition of a home and actually educating the homeowner um, of what does need to be done. You know, yeah. there, there was a massive gap in the Browns Home Condition Survey between what the homeowner thought the condition was and what the assessor thought the condition was. You right. know, we're not great at identifying the issues ourselves. And yeah. unless you're a surveyor, why would you be? Yeah, um, yeah and, we're looking and at so, the kitchen and the garden and yeah. what school zone it's in. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's when you then bring in, you know, if that, if that house fits all that criteria, then bring in the right expert mm. to actually do a survey that actually is standard compliant and the accredited building surveys is the only way to know that. Yeah. Um, that you can then actually get the information you need to make a more informed buying decision. I mean, no one can mitigate your risk completely, but it can be significantly minimised depending on the the calibre of the building surveyor. Yeah. And this is the thing, you know, the the builder, the day of the builder going around doing your building survey is long gone. Yep. You know, but the real estate industry still, and consumers still often talk that way, and there's, you know, there's an education there as well. Yeah, yeah. So just uh, run us through, uh, to summarise, where people should go to find a, a surveyor, uh, even if they've been recommended one by the agent who's showing the, the home, what, what should people do? Uh, and then also tell us where people can find you and, um, and get in touch. Yep, sure. Thank you. So if anyone is looking to um, buy and they want to get a pre-purchase survey done, and the same goes for um, owning a home, wanting a maintenance or condition survey, right, you yeah. want to look for a, an accredited building surveyor. So that's a Boynes accredited building surveyor. They can find them at uh, boinz.org.nz um, and that will list the accredited building surveyors. Yep. Um, amongst the accredited building surveyors, there's still variety, but that would be the list from which I'd recommend you choose. Um, failing that, I would then look at the New Zealand Institute of Building Surveyors to find a registered building surveyor in your area. Cool. Um, and that way you know you've got a standard compliant survey being undertaken by someone that has leased an industry-assessed person to undertake pre-purchase inspections um, and that requires they are to have professional indemnity and provide the written report and the report must meet the standard and if they fail to to meet that for whatever reason you've also got a body to go back to yeah um, if and and for real sure um i mean we, as i said we've been doing this for 17 years we launched to the then Australian standard, sat on the development for the New Zealand standard. Um, one of our co-founders sits on the Boynes board. Mm -hmm. I and mean, we're still very heavily involved in developing the standard. We're the only ISO registered group of accredited building surveyors in New Zealand. So right. if you would like that level, um, you can find us at realshore.co.nz. And you can always remember the spelling of real sure because it's about being real sure about the house you're buying. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, like it. And, yeah, we have surveyors um, around most of the North Island and next year we'll also be able to offer those services in the South Island. Great. Very good. Mm. Hey, well, thank you very much, Sarah. It's obviously a, a big issue and I think if, if people can get more aware and more educated about what the real issues are uh, mm. at that point of um, purchase, then you know we're, we're going to be much better off. And, and maybe as consumers, we can start, I don't know, influencing the, the quality of, of the housing stock and maybe even the, the price as well. Well, that's what we're passionate about through education and information, having homeowners, empowering homeowners to mm. um, 
improve the standard of their housing. Yeah. Um, and and then the housing of New Zealand, the stock of New Zealand housing, and that's about then having you know that, that makes massive difference on the health of the yeah. occupants. You know, that's our children, and that's hugely important to us. And you did right. The consumer can be a driver as well. They can demand accredited building surveyors. And, yeah. you know, if they're told they can't use them, then they should just dig their toes in because if they're being told they can't use an accredited building surveyor, I would suggest there's probably issues that... Yeah, yeah. big alarm. They don't want you to know about. Big alarm bells there. Yeah, All right. absolutely. Matthew, thank you for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Sarah. You're welcome. Take awesome. care. Bye. And that was Sarah Simon from RealShore. You can find them realshore.co.nz. Big takeaway from that episode for me was just how important it is to go and find your own property inspection uh, inspector. And RealShore is a good place to start. You can also check out Boynes. As Sarah mentioned, that's the Building Officials Institute of New Zealand, B-O-I-N-Z org.nz. Also check out the New Zealand Institute of Building Surveyors, that's NZIBS, and they um, have a very good training program uh, for their, their uh, professional surveyors. You can find them at buildingsurveyors.co.nz. Um, you'll be in good hands with anyone who's been through that accreditation because it's a, a very, very good organization. So yeah, you, if you're going to drop a, a million dollars or, or more on average uh, Auckland property or, or anywhere else around New Zealand, Australia, it's well worth getting someone who knows what they're looking for and it's going to cost more than a couple of hundred bucks. So be prepared for that. Um, and it's worth it if you are going to make that significant investment. All right, that's it for this show. You can find out more about this episode and others over at homestylegreen.com. Also on Facebook at Homestyle Green. Uh, you can follow me at twi on Twitter at mcutlerwelsh. That's M-C-U-T-L-E-R-W-E-L-S-H. I'd love to hear from you on either Facebook or Twitter. Or you can flick me an email, matthew at homestylegreen.com. Thanks so much to ProClimber and also the heating company for helping bring this show to you. Tune in for more episodes coming up. And in the meantime, go make a better place to live. Mm -hmm.